Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you will hear a points of view lecture from Wednesday, April 3rd, 2019, before a performance of Program 6, Space Between, that features production director Christopher Dennis and company manager Juliette LeBlanc discussing what it takes to take the company on tour. Hope you enjoy. Good evening, everybody. Uh, Welcome to tonight's Points of View Lecture. I'm Jenny Scholick, the Associate Director of Audience Engagement, and I am thrilled to be joined this evening by our Production Director, Christopher Dennis, and our Company Manager, Juliette LeBlanc, to talk a little bit about what it's like to take a ballet company on tour. So tonight's conversation is going to take our upcoming tours to London and to Sun Valley as a jumping off point for a discussion about touring in general, the specifics of touring with this company, and the logistics of taking a large-scale project like Unbound on tour. To do that, I am thrilled to be joined by Christopher Dennis and Juliette LeBlanc, who I think know better than just about anyone else in the organization the ins and outs of how we do that. So let's give them a quick round of applause. So if each of you could just start by introducing yourselves and briefly, because we'll get into real responsibilities in a minute, tell us what you're each responsible for when it comes to taking the company on tour. So, yes, I'm Juliet. I'm the company manager here. Um, So that means that I spend the vast majority of my time managing the dancers. Um, But when we go on tour, I roll over uh, and function as the touring manager. Um, And so when we're on tour, I take care of all the logistics, um, getting us there, keeping us there, and bringing us back home, um, with the exception of uh, the production and technical world. And yes, I'm Christopher Dennis, and the production director. And generally, I'm responsible for uh, all the production elements that you see on stage, um, for our productions, and on tour. Uh, I'm responsible for all the technical logistics, um, getting all of our scenery, costumes, lighting, audio, all of our equipment uh, to the different venues, working with the local um, producers in terms of their uh, technical staff to ensure everything that we require for when we um, take things on the road. So I'm responsible for all the technical aspects of the company. Great. So to give all of you guys a little bit of context of what this London tour is going to look like, um, we are taking 12 ballets with us. We'll uh, flip through them quickly now so you get a sense of the scope here. So we are taking the Shostakovich trilogy, which hopefully you will all see uh, next month. We are taking Anima Animus, Snowblind by Kathy Marston, uh, Trey McIntyre's Your Flesh Will Be a Great Poem, Christopher Wilden's Bound 2, Justin Peck's Hurry Up, We're Dreaming, Edward Liang's The Infinite Ocean, and these are in like no particular order, by the way, Uh, Stanton Welch's Bespoke, Liam Scarlett's Hummingbird, and Arthur Pita's Bjork Ballet, and I'm going to leave that up because we're doing that tonight, so that's our visual for the moment. Um, So audience may have noticed we're taking eight works from Unbound. Um, And I think my first question for you is how, you know, we know we heard over and over last year that Unbound was, you know, two years in the planning, three years in the planning. 
How long has this tour been in the planning from your perspective? Um, I th this tour has been uh, almost two years. I would say two yeah, years. About two years, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, because we went on the touring advance, it would be two years in August. So we would have had the dates already set by then. So yeah. I'd say two yeah. years, which is pretty typical for a tour. So, and when we went to do the advance to London, both Julia and I went, um, we knew we would be taking ballets from the festival, but what we didn't know was what the ballets were going to look like because we went there so far in advance. So... Um, so it's always a little challenging to do your homework on something that you actually don't know what you're bringing. So. <laughs> we'll circle back to that in a minute. So, okay, let's say two years ago, you hear from the powers that be that we're going on tour and we're going to London. What is, like, the first thing you do when you get that news, besides panic? <laughs> the first thing is to remind myself to breathe because there are a lot of touring ideas that get floated around. And so you breathe and remind yourself that luckily not all of them stick. Um, but the very first thing that I do is, um, in conjunction with Chris, of course, is um, do a budget so that we can see what it is that we're looking at here and is this tour actually going to be feasible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we basically um, have a we have somewhat of an idea of what we would do in terms of how many dancers. Um, there's there's a few check boxes that we sort of check off because we have an idea of what and the kinds of things we would be taking to start to create the budget, and um, that would be definitely the first thing we would do. Um, and then after that, um, from my perspective. Uh, I would get the information from the venue that we're performing in to get a sense of uh, the size of the venue and, and all the technical specs that I would share with the team so that we can all start thinking about the things that we need to start preparing. What, in terms of um, either technical specs or thinking about getting the dancers there, like what are the kind of things that would rule out the possibility of doing a tour? Is it like size of the theater? Is it like the safety of the country? Like, do you think about those kinds of things as you decide whether this is feasible or not? Um, I mean, the size of the venue uh, is discussed every so often just because um, whether they can accommodate a company of our size. Um, so sometimes that discussion happens, but generally we tour to venues, like in this case, Sadler's Wells. We've been there a few times before, so we kind of knew what we were getting into in that respect. So, mm -hmm. a, You mentioned a minute ago that you went on the advance for this tour two, a little over two years ago. What is an advance and what is involved? So for me, when I go on an advance, I'm looking... Um, at housing, where are we going to stay? What's this hotel like? Was the last time it was renovated? Is it noisy? Does it have bugs? What is the breakfast like? People are really into the breakfast. Um, and other things are, how are we going to get to and from the airport? Is our gigantic shuttle bus going to fit down this very quaint cobblestone street. These types of logistics are what we look at on the advance. Um, and then also at the theater, I'm checking out the dressing rooms, making sure we can all fit, that kind of thing. Yeah, all, yeah. when we are on the advance, um, we, 
we kind of time what the distance is from the hotel to the theaters uh, to see if we can walk it or do we need to provide transportation. When we get to the theater, um, like the dressing rooms, we look at the size of the stage. We meet with some of the technical and administrative representatives, uh, kind of walk through a preliminary schedule. Um, I check out the loading access, like can we get our containers here? What What is it like to load in? Um, so we look at all the different um, variables of the theater, uh, so we kind of have an idea of what we're in for when we bring the entire company, because basically when the entire organization is there, they're going to ask Juliet and I questions as though we've been here a million times. So we need to be as prepared as possible about the venue and all of its limitations and stuff like that. Okay, so in advance of in advance in advance of this conversation, <clears throat> Juliet, you sent me a 34-item list of to-dos. I did enumerate them from your bullet points. <laughs> but so I'm going to pull out a few highlights from the 34-item list and see if you could elaborate on what that entails exactly. So we had several notes on hotel and airfare holds. Yes. So about a year out, we need to put holds on hotels because we're a very large group. Um, London, we have 114 of us going. So we will completely take over a hotel and take over a flight. I apologize in advance if you get stuck on one of our flights with us. Um, but we're looking at about a year out, nine months, no later than nine months, um, booking the hotels and um, basically entire airplanes. All right. <clears throat> Hold single room lottery for the dancers. <laughs> yes, we actually do a single room lottery. So a lot of the bigger ballet companies around the U.S., um, the single rooms, with like a room with no roommates, um, it goes to the higher ranking dancers, the soloists and the principals, but here, our contract stipulates that 20% of the dancers going on tour get a single room, but it is done by a lottery system. So, um, yeah, we actually just draw names out of a hat, and those are the dancers that get to have no roommate, and it's very interesting. Um, it makes it certainly more equitable and exciting. Exciting. Um, it could be an apprentice, could be a principal. I think if you're probably a principal who's been here for like 18 years, you probably think it's less exciting. Um, but yes, we do. Um, we, we actually draw names out of a hat uh, for the single room lottery. Do you, do you keep a hat in your office solely for this purpose? <laughs> well, actually, my hat went missing somewhere <laughs> recently. I don't, it might have been the principal dancers. <laughs> Maybe. You might have to go, like, pick up, like, one of those, like, kitschy, you know, like, London hats or yes. vases or mugs or something yes. for future lotteries. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Let's continue down this list. Order hundreds of luggage tags. Yes. We are uh, we're swimming in luggage tags. People love the SFP luggage tags, which is funny because it's just, I just make them out of cardstock. Um, they're not nice, but... Um, but they have our logo on they them. They do have our logo, and people request two luggage tags per tour. And some of the touring party has been here for, <laughs> for years and have been on, you know, 
15 tours. And so I don't actually know what they're doing with all of these luggage tags, but they keep requesting them and I keep making them. And I currently have about 250 luggage tags under my desk. <laughs> all right, other things you have, I guess not under your desk, but in your office, at least the last time I was there, is a very large crate with an armadillo on it. Please explain. <laughs> Yes, and so when we go on tour, and Chris can speak more to this as well, um, key personnel, we each get a big road crate um, that we can shove everything in, and it goes along with the, the shipment of the sets and costumes. Um, and it's kind of like a mobile office. Um, there's a printer in there. There's all kinds of things in there. There's like water filters and umbrellas and... It's basically anything that I, we might need. Um, so it's my big, giant mobile office. Um, but the, the nice thing, because you end up spending so much time with this crate, is that our lovely props team, they'll personalize it for you. And um, I'm from Texas, and they just thought it would be very cute to put a gigantic armadillo on it. And what is the armadillo's name? His name is Willie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So crates bring me back to you, Chris. How does all of this get to London? So all of our um, scenery and props and costumes, they all go in 40-foot uh, sea containers. So I work closely with a um, freight company called Rocket Cargo. And once I know uh, when we are going to tour, I work closely with... Um, a broker there who uh, will help me um, arrange to get the containers uh, to our warehouse. So, for example, uh, we, we will be loading into London, into the theater on May the 26th, 26th or 27th is when we load into the theater. Um, because we're going over to London, uh, it takes approximately six weeks because everything's going to sail across the Atlantic Ocean. So uh, next week, April the 12th, five shipping containers will pull up to our warehouse where the crew will load all of our equipment um, so that it can set sail and be in London for the time we arrive. So we use shipping containers. All the costumes are in uh, uh, work are in wardrobe crates, uh, scenery, some of it's in hampers and different crates. Um, different departments, uh, like Juliet, have their own personal um, sort of office road box. So everybody has one of those for uh, those particular individuals. So everything gets packed into a container and gets shipped away. And um, hopefully it'll get there safely. And uh, when we get to the theater, it will all be sitting there waiting for us. So we scrolled through the 12 ballets that are going, and I will say that all of them except three will be completely done by April 12th. But Shostakovich trilogy, we are not performing until May. Yes. So how does that work? So um, with our planning, yes, unfortunately Shostakovich will close the season and will not make the April 12th deadline to get onto the sea container. So which means we'll pack that up and then two days later uh, we'll air freight uh, the scenery and costumes to London uh, so that it will be there in time for when we get there because the Shostakovich tr trilogy opens our 
<laughs> our evening in uh, London at Sadler as well. So uh, sometimes when we plan these tours, uh, ideally everything would be sent and we wouldn't run into a situation like this, but ultimately different things happen. And so this was the solution, was to air freight uh, everything as soon as it's finished in May. And how much does getting ready for a tour like this impact your team over the course of the season? Like, they're obviously here working every night doing this here, but yes. how does it... Uh, well, it's... we In my tenure here, um, we haven't actually sent a tour out during the middle of the season, so it's uh, a little stressful for everyone right now because uh, right now... We're telling everyone, uh, think about what you need, because once you send it, you won't have it to finish the season here. So uh, we are purchasing sort of duplicates of specific items so that we can send it off while we continue to use what we have here. So there's a lot of planning and thinking ahead as to um, what you'll need uh, in London and what you can send right away and then what you'll still need here. So it's a little stressful for everybody, but, um, but everybody's coping. And so there's lots of meetings and planning going on to ensure that uh, we're all on the same page for when everything leaves. So I have one more from Juliet's to-do list that I didn't get to that I just want to... Well, I have two more. One is uh, flip-style cell phones. Why specifically flip style, and why do you need cell phones? So when we go abroad, um, we provide the staff with international cell phones. We rent them. Um, so, you know, not everyone has a company cell phone or not everyone has an international plan. And so, yeah, we, we rent these cell phones, and they're ancient. Um, it's the kind where you have to, like, press the button four times to get to the letter S if you want to <laughs> So people text are not, them. like, texting home on these things, okay, yes. really. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, and for whatever reason, I don't know why they're always so old, probably because it's, it's actually quite expensive to rent these cell phones. Um, and so we've been stuck with flip phones uh, the last few times. But this year, I think we're upgrading? getting razors. Oh, that's so, like, <laughs> 2000 and... Six. I know. That's I great. Know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my last one from your to-do list is, I think, actually on both of your to-do lists, and it's my favorite. It came in on all capital letters, and it just reads, manage budget. Do not go over budget. <laughs> so how much of that, I mean, obviously it's in your control to some extent, but how much of it feels like it starts to spiral out of control at some point? Like, how do you keep a handle on the budget for a tour like this where there's so many moving parts? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's not easy. Uh, clearly, um, you know, when you're putting a tour of this nature together, there's a lot of things that come up that you went, oh, we didn't actually put that in the budget, so how will we deal with that? Um, and there are some things that we budget for that we actually didn't need. So sometimes you rob Peter to pay Paul in your budget uh, so that you can keep everything within the same budget. But at the end of the day, uh, we work hard to maintain it. But if, there are, if there's something that just has to happen, 
Uh, there's generally a conversation between myself, Juliet, and the general manager <laughs> so that we can all <laughs> sort of sit back and take a look at what the impact of this will mean um, and whether we need to move forward with it. So uh, those decisions aren't taken lightly, but if it's to help support the tour uh, in any way, then we'll move forward with it. And um, uh, sometimes it all works out in the wash, but sometimes you do go over budget, but we work hard at trying not to. So one of the moving parts, of course, with this London tour, as you referenced early on, was that at the time you guys went on this advance, the time when you started planning this tour, you knew there was going to be an unbound. I suppose most of the, ba- a little over half of the ballets had been choreographed ish I mean, August of 2017. So sort of, like half the choreographers had been in the building and made something. You didn't know which of those were going to go. So how much did your thinking have to change? How much did it impact um, how you planned this tour once you knew actually what these ballets were and which ones were going? Well, from my perspective, once we knew what was going... um, uh, all of the scenic ballets that are going were clearly designed for the Opera House stage. And Sadler's Wells is a much smaller stage. So um, our technical manager um, and our lighting supervisor have worked really hard to figure out how best to um, make some of these ballets work in a smaller theater. So we are um, doing some modifications to the scenery of some of the ballets so that it can be uh, presented in uh, at Sadler's Wells, but the biggest challenge is because there's so many different ballets going. Sadler's Wells is a small theater and doesn't have a lot of storage space. So, our biggest challenge for this particular tour, with all the Unbound stuff going, is not so much how it looks on stage, but where does it go when we're not performing it? Because we have the other ballets on stage. So, the big jigsaw puzzle with this is uh, our storage concerns, um, but. We got a plan, and it'll all work out nicely. <laughs> is it more complicated for either of you to take a variety of ballets like we're doing on this tour versus, let's say, touring with a single-story ballet? Does it make a difference? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you take a, such a wide variety of ballets, such as what we're going to do in London, it's about the coordination of how they're all going to work together um, in such a small venue. So... Uh, Helgi, when he puts together the rep, he'll actually consult with me about um, how do I feel about what will work and what won't work. And um, basically, my job is just to make it work and not say it won't work. (laughs) Uh, So we do spend a lot of time, and it's definitely challenging when there's a lot. When we just do a single, like, full-length ballet, like if we took Romeo and Juliet to a theater, it's much simpler to deal with because it's just the one ballet, and... Once it's all set up, we're not having to figure out how it's going to work with other ballets. For me, for the full lengths, a lot of times that involves children, um, which is like a whole other thing. Every state has its own labor laws regarding child labor. So, um, yeah, we have Do to you borrow children from. We often the local. borrow children. Yes, otherwise we bring students from our school and their parents, and then we also have uh, studio teachers who are making sure that the the children are spending the appropriate amount of time both working and uh, studying. So actually, full links become much more complicated for you. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> okay, so one more about kind of things in advance and then we'll talk about being there. I think, Juliet, you mentioned about 115 people going on this tour to London-ish, more or less. Who's that made up of? Like, what is sort of the group that goes on any given tour? Sure. So uh, there's there's actually 114 of us heading to London, and um, of that, we have 75 dancers going, and then the rest is made up of uh, key staff members, um, and then we also bring our own uh, crew heads and uh, a few other key crew members, and... Um, we bring our music director and a guest conductor and our pianist and um, also a few members of our wellness team also travel to make sure that the dancers are doing okay. And what about for like a smaller trip like to Sun Valley this summer? Well, actually for Sun Valley, um, we're really excited. Um, our orchestra doesn't tour with us very frequently because most times our presenter, wherever it is that we're going, already has an orchestra for us, um, like at Kennedy Center when we went in the fall. Of course, Kennedy Center has their own. Um, so we just use the presenter's orchestra. Um, but we are going to Sun Valley a few weeks after London. And for the first time in a long time, we are bringing 25 members of our orchestra with us. So that's really exciting. We're happy to have them on the road. Um, and so Sun Valley is actually... We have 81 going, and 38 are dancers and 25 are orchestra members. So it doesn't leave, it's a skeleton crew, really, when you... When you take out yeah. the artistic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a small, small number of us go. Okay. But it's worth noting that even though we're, it's a smaller group going, the volume of work isn't... Same. It's the same volume of work. <laughs> Uh, sometimes even harder when we do the smaller tours because the budgets are smaller, but the expectations are still great. So uh, it's always a little more challenging on some of the smaller tours. And I didn't put pictures up, but you're also taking, I mean, you're taking a lot of smaller ballets and potatas and things, but you're taking a lot of stuff for two performances in Sun Valley in some ways too. Yeah, the first program that we're doing in Sun Valley is a, is a gala style. And I can't, I want to say like 10 different, yeah. 10 to 12, I can't even remember. Yeah, maybe, yeah, somewhere around there. But yeah. a, a lot of different ballets for sure. Yeah. Okay, so you've landed in London. Mm -hmm. What is the first thing you're going to go do? Uh, get some fish and chips or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I think the first thing, um, well, we have a day off. We have a day to acclimate with the time change and just sort of get settled in our rooms and um, just enjoy um, an evening off because we're going to go right into um, production. But one of the first things I do specifically is just confirm that all of those containers I told you <laughs> about that they have arrived safely. I'll, I'll get word throughout the whole process, but what I will do is just confirm that we're still set for the uh, 8 a.m. load-in and start to work on those logistics to make sure everything is there uh, at 8 o'clock because we'll have a full crew standing at the loading door waiting to get started. So that'll be the first thing that will be on my mind when I land, make sure those things are in check. And for me, once we, you know, we have to get everyone 
through the airport, which takes some time um, to get through immigration. But and then once we're finally on the bus and everyone has somehow found their luggage, it's because of the luggage tags. But <laughs> that's why they all want one. <laughs> Um, but once we're finally on the bus, then um, straight to the hotel, that's a, a whole thing. You know, you have 114 people all trying to check in at the exact same time, make sure everyone's good and happy. And um, the dancers do have a day off that next day, but the staff doesn't really. And so we're kind of at the theater the next morning um, getting things set up, getting the dressing room set up schedules, just making it our new home. Yeah, so it's worth noting that the crew will travel a day before mm -hmm. the rest of the entire company just because of how early we need to start that very first day. So um, the crew is, needs to have a day off before they start working. So we do travel separately than the, com than the company. And then once you hit that first full work day, 8 a.m., what do your days look like kind of from there on out, maybe before you open and then after you open? Uh, well, the first few days will be easily 12-hour days, just the first two days before the dancers get on stage on the third day. So uh, we're pretty much at the venue from 8 a.m., and we'll be walking out at 10 p.m. pretty much every night except for the one day off we have uh, the following week. Um, so it's a pretty busy schedule, especially when you're taking this many ballets because we're constantly teching, uh, doing dress rehearsals, opening, teching, dress rehearsals, opening. So uh, things ease up after the last opening. And by then, it's, we're starting to plan to make our exit out of the theater. So it's just nonstop. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, once we're kind of settled in, it it kind of runs like we do here. We, you know, we bring our artistic team, our rehearsal department, um, and once we're, we're set up, you know, we have rehearsals during the day, performances at night. It's, it's very similar to here, and, you know, they give us a, a good deal of, I don't, uh, we get to kind of have the run of the place. Um, and so during the performances, you know, we, we work with the front of house staff, we work with security, we manage backstage. It's, it gets to be quite similar. So you mentioned front of house staff, security, crew, all local, right, to the theater. So what's that like, working with a new team there and you ever make, you know, new well, British from, press friends? From our perspective, um, you know, Sadler's Wells is a very popular um, venue for dance, so they're familiar with the kinds of things we need them to do, which is great. Um, but generally, uh, the local staff will be wonderful to work with. Uh, we're a guest in their home, so they're on their best behavior trying to make our time there really comfortable and enjoyable. So generally, when we go to these venues, um, we really have a nice time with um, the people who run the space. It's, they give us good tips on where to go eat and what to go see. So uh, you start to develop this really wonderful relationship because you really rely on them to help you with everything you need. So, Yeah, they, um, they kind of spoil us. Yeah. Um, there's always a snack table throughout <laughs> mm -hmm. the day, um, which is something that we don't 
do here. Um, but yeah, they, they do a good job of taking care of us. Yeah. You mentioned they have good tips on where to go and what to see. Do you have time to get out of the theater and yeah, do any like of that? there will be a bona fide like free day where it's like your day to do whatever. And I think a lot of us take an opportunity, especially when you go on tour to different places around the world. You try to see the different things that you've read about uh, or that you've been told. Um, so, yeah, it's a great opportunity to check out the museums or galleries or just go for a walk and have a nice meal. Um, so that is one of the perks of Any, going to a place like London. Anything on your lists for London that you just know you're going to go do or see while you're there? You thought that far ahead yet? Well, the, when we did the advance, we went to the Tate Modern because we had a little time to ourselves. So I, I think I might head back out there again to see... Um, I'll check to see if there's any new exhibits going on there because it's one of my favorite museums, galleries. All right. So what everyone really wants to know is not about, like, all this day-to-day and how we get there, but what are the really good stories you have from tour? There have to be good stories with the number of people that go and the number of modes of transportation involved. You have to have war stories, good and bad. So I have some photos that we can take a look at, a couple Hear some stories about them. So these are fairly recent. This is the company with Nancy Pelosi on the DC tour. So if either of you would like to give a little context to this photo. Uh, no, this, Juliet will have. So when the company went to spend time with Nancy Pelosi, uh, the production staff was still working at the Kennedy Center getting the show set up. So, so Juliet will have to speak Sorry. to this. Sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we had a private tour of the Capitol, and then um, Nancy Pelosi came out to join us, and she was completely lovely and very gracious, and, you know, we knew she was coming, but we just kind of thought she would say hello and maybe give a nice little chat, um, but she actually spent a, a lot of time with us. We had a reception with her. She brought us on to uh, the floor um, and let us pretend um, there was a little girl with us and she got to pretend like she was voting. Um, and so it was great. Uh, we brought her a bunch of ballet swag and she humored us and put on the jacket and she actually, every single person in that photo, maybe not every single, but she took individual photos with all of us, one by one. So. There's one up in your office now, I think. There, there is one in my it's office. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was that was a really great experience. Yeah, that's a good example. The kind of thing that can happen yeah. on these trips. All right, so that's a good example. Now we're going to move to one that's maybe not as good. This is a bad example. Can we talk about this traumatic <laughs> moment and what's happening? Yes. So uh, this is D.C. again, and we are uh, on our way to the Icelandic ambassador's home, um, and we're taking this charter bus there, and that's right outside of our hotel, but it's a very busy roundabout, um, really close to um, the mall area in D.C., so um, it's very crowded rush hour, and uh, that bus is supposed to be taking us to the ambassador's home, and it broke down 
in the middle of the roundabout. Um, and um, not only did it break down, but some of the dancers' belongings were in the, the under storage. And when the bus lost power, you couldn't open the doors. And so every, like, people's stuff was stuck under there. Um, and so we eventually, we made it. Thank goodness for Ubers and Lyfts. But um, several hours later, we came home. And that's still our bus in the middle of the roundabout. And I actually, I don't know what time it finally left. Um, I went to sleep. And somehow it, it managed to leave in the middle of the night. Um, but, you know, we, that's our... That's not our first bus to break down, unfortunately. That seems was to it happen. even like the first bus on that tour, was it? Didn't you also have bus issues getting to the airport on that one, or am I misremembering that? I can't. It was just the bus. So the bus came, uh, there were two flights to D.C., and um, the crew and other support staff was on the first flight, and the bus came to pick us up and take us to the hotel. And that same bus had to rush back to pick up everyone else at the airport. And I think he was running late uh, because it was just the one bus that was going back and forth. Or I think, yeah. or he made it just in time, but it was a bit of a... It was touch and go there. It was a little touch and go we because... We also yeah. found out that the, the buses can't fit down the DC streets. That's right. <laughs> also uh, no. a good le- learning experience. Yeah. So do you now, like, go out with your tape measure and, like, measure the, the streets on your advance to find out if you're going to Yeah. Um, that was, you know, the bus driver just, he went rogue. Um, <laughs> Basically drove down a one-way street that he shouldn't have been going. I, maybe even the wrong direction even, yeah. or something. But, uh, we he was really it. nice because he wanted to get us closer to the door so we wouldn't have to lug all of our luggage down the street to get to the hotel. So I remember him saying, no, I can fit, I can fit, and he just went for it. So yeah. so you do meet some exciting characters while you're on the... I will note that the crew didn't go on this trip because, once again, we were working <laughs> while everybody Sorry. else was having a, a nice time. So just wanted to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Happens. You, you can also send me photos yeah. of these presentations oh. of fun things you're yeah, does, you know. It's, we're always working, so. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm out of good photos, but any other um, highlights, favorite memories, funny memories from tours with the company? Um, Uh, some of the things are funny in the moment, but nothing really stands out right away. But what's wonderful about touring where funny things can happen is when we all get an opportunity to meet up in the hotel lobby or the hotel bar and just commiserate and just laugh and have a cocktail and just really enjoy each other's company because we're all each other. We're, we're all what we have is just one another when you're in a foreign country or in a different city. So um, it's a great opportunity for bonding with individuals who you don't normally get to spend time with. Like it's, it's a great time to get to know the dancers and the dancers get to know us a little bit better because we're all stuck in the same hotel with pretty much the same schedule. So um, that's when I find I, got, I get to know people. So that's more like a fun story, I think. So, yeah. I would agree with Chris. Yeah, um, there's a good amount of 
um, bonding, I guess yeah. you could call it, uh, on tour. But I know it, it doesn't sound very fun, but <laughs> my, my favorite um, is actually on that final bus ride from SFO back to the ballet building. <laughs> and you just like wave goodbye to everyone and you give all the hugs and it's just me alone in the ballet building <laughs> after a long tour. Um, and that is, uh, not that I don't want to see everyone, I do, but it's just a, it's such a great feeling to be like, wow, that happened and we did it. Yeah. Did it. You got there. Yeah, it's a good feeling when, when we're loading out in the last truck or container has all the scenery and the doors closing. You just see it rolling away and you're just like, okay, we did this. And everybody goes back to their hotel and relaxes and kind of celebrate that it was all a great success. Great. So my last question, what is something that you're, I mean, I think you in some ways just answered it, but really excited about for this summer's tours, both London and Sun Valley? Um, <laughs> just a particular ballet or a particular... Yeah, I'm excited to see how the, the London audiences react to mm -hmm. our Unbound programs. I'm, we've invited Bjork um, to come out, so maybe she'll show up. Yeah, maybe. Uh, that'll be exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see how people react to us there, and on a separate, very personal note, I'm excited about that full English breakfast every morning <laughs> in my hotel. And you, you've already <laughs> tested it out, right? So you I know did. it's good. It's very good. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to turn down service and all the wonderful things that I don't have to worry about. Um, uh, I am excited to see how we all make this work at Sadler's. Uh, what we're about to undertake is pretty huge with the amount of ballets that we're taking. So as much as I'm nervous, I'm actually excited to see how it all unfolds and how well we actually do it. So I'm looking forward to saying, yay, we did it. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us thank this evening, you. and thank you all for being here. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.